Hey guys, thanks for joining us again. While we're still figuring out our place and style in the podcast world, one thing's for sure, we all go through life and have to figure it out as we go. No plan is perfect. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Conversations with the Lifer with Karen of Social Behavior, a social media marketing company. Quick backstory on how I met Karen, and if you hear her story, you may see the connection. See, I believe in serendipity moments, those small choices or things that happen without knowing how important they are until they happen. With that being said, I met Karen randomly at a Tony Robbins event I wasn't even going to go to, but I just weighed the options, what's the worst thing that could happen? I had no sleep, had to drive three and a half hours to Austin at 3 a.m., to make it to the event. And so crazy, I happened to be seated next to Karen. Turns out she was from Houston as well, and now we have a friendly relationship. In Karen's story, you will hear some ups and downs, some highs and lows, some things some of us wouldn't believe. Like when someone comes to you and says things like, I have an opportunity of a lifetime for you. Join my members only club. It usually rubs us the wrong way, but it's there. Those serendipity moments when you're feeling unfulfilled, so why not go for it or act on it? Now, we'll go to Karen's story to see how a failure led her to a $75 bus ticket home and the start of a new business venture. I'm happy to introduce myself. My name is Karen Diamont, and I'm the founder of Social Behavior. We're a Houston-based social media agency, and we focus um, on the hospitality, hotels, uh, residential communities, restaurants, bars, lounges. Um, but, you know, we're growing and expanding and this is your what year is this for you guys we just celebrated four years wow congratulations thank you so with that before you got to social behavior and all the success it has now take me back to your previous background in entrepreneurship i think you said you were originally from houston but you moved to miami miami Mm -hmm. okay so what was your previous background in entrepreneurship or your first set out or how'd you get to where you are today i think um my story is so quite interesting because I actually started working. I didn't have a life plan and I didn't have any uh, encouragement from my family as to what I was supposed to do. So I actually got an opportunity to work in corporate America right out of high school. And so I was doing the co-op in my senior year Mm -hmm. and I was working half a day and going to school half a day. So after school at noon, I'd come to work at my corporate office. I was making six and six dollars and fifty cents an hour it was an internship type of program and all i did was a filing clerk and i did this for um i out of high school i thought that i was supposed to go to college so i asked my mom i said mom i'm i'm gonna go to college right or what am i supposed to do she's like guess college she speak spoke very little did your mother go to college yeah she is an architect by trade but my mom's an entrepreneur herself, and she was very caught up in that, um, in that at the time that I was graduating, and she really, she didn't have our our life planned out. She was barely trying to keep her head above water. And, and this keep... was here in Houston, right? We here in Houston, yeah. So you and your mother, you uh, were in high school doing a co-op job, and you didn't go to college. You actually got employed right after high school. Right after high school, and so. And when... what was that job? It was uh, an accounting file clerk in an oil and gas company. And then when I told them that I wanted to go to college, I, um, when I told them that I wanted to go to college, they said, well, if you continue your employment here with us, we'll facilitate that for you. So I was fortunate enough to have my college education paid for. And I worked and went to school and got two degrees um, at U of H. Wow. What were your degrees in? Finance and accounting. Oh, okay. 
So what took you from Houston after you had this job mm -hmm. to how long were how much longer did you keep this job in accounting? So once I graduated, I met someone that presented an opportunity. Well, while I was there in my final days of employment with them, I started to dabble into marketing. So uh -huh. within the company, I started doing um, marketing events for okay. them. And through that, I met someone that opened a door for me that said, hey, do you want to change your life? And do you want to... Now, let me stop right there. Yeah. Usually when someone comes up today's uh, run, mm -hmm. they say, do you want to change your life? It's yeah. some pyramid scheme it pitch or sounds... something like that. <laughs> what made you believe well, this person was serious? I didn't. And he said, I know you don't think I'm serious, but you possess a lot of the qualities that I'm looking for. And I'm starting a new concept in Houston that hasn't been seen before. And I think you're up for the challenge. And I said, you know, what is it? He goes, it's a new type of members only club. Okay. And, oh, we have Red joining us. She's, she's now on your lap. Oh, she likes, she likes a good beard. So he actually presented an opportunity to me that was, you know, life changing. And it sounded so interesting that everyone I knew told me, don't do it. That's not uh -huh. safe. You can't leave 401k. You can't leave eight years of so you said everyone told you that's not safe. What was the opportunity? To be the membership director at a private members only exotic car club. So now when people hear that as well, when you says before you got to the car club part, when it says a uh, members only club, it sounds kind of sketchy. That that too, right? <laughs> that too. But this was completely legit. It was. It's still in existence today. Um, I still collaborate with them, but okay. they. It was my. It was my one shot that if there was ever going to be an opportunity that was worth leaving corporate America, everything I'd worked so hard for, if there was ever an opportunity to leave and just turn a new page, this was probably it. Like, do you want to drive exotic cars for a living and go to Sounds high profile fun. events? And, and at the time, I was trying to find my purpose and reinvent my life. How so, old were you at this age when you got was, invited to do this job? 25 years old 25 mm -hmm. years old. okay mm -hmm. and so this is so you're was that was in houston yes okay so yes. you're in a members only club and you're revving a business and finding members for this club exotic cars what else did they offer so um we were building out a members only facility that had a cigar lounge a whiskey bar a tequila library uh private access private elevator and i was just so fortunate to have contributed to that. So in this role, we learned that I had a gift, that I had a talent, which I didn't know was there because I'd never practiced it. But I was actually, and I am actually really good at sales. Uh -huh. I'm really good at connecting with people. I'm really good at picking up on, you know, their energy and feeling their vibe and selling them something. If I think that this could benefit you, I will make sure that I close the deal. So... That was now, a gift I didn't know I possessed. Anyone can do this. Like, there takes a certain type of person to do this, especially a certain type of person in a certain network. Were you around uh, people with this kind of money already to join? Because it sounds like a members all access type club thing. How? What's the minimum yeah. so buy-in to be a member? At the time, it was five, twenty-five, fifty, and a hundred grand to join the club. So at a very entry level, you could join for as little as 5K. Five 
Yeah, but there were monthlies on top of How that. How did you find this clientele? Because a lot of people say, don't right. have that so, type of money to... walking into the role, there was already um, leads that I could oh, work. Oh, okay. But I placed myself in opportunities through this role by donating to charity, by being present at all the charity events, and I just started to build my network. Wow. And being around these individuals did not... Um, a lot of times it can be intimidating for people. I wasn't intimidated. I was motivated. Right. I wanted so I to know, you're how at, do I get to be you? Right. And you're at 25. I could see someone at 25 years old. If they don't have that type of money, they get intimidated trying to pitch something that they can't explain mm -hmm. or don't have because they can't relate to other people, you know, spending that type of money for something like that. Right. So you felt pretty comfortable just because you know it was a great product? Yeah, there's, there's something about me. I'm extremely confident. I don't know where I get that from, but that wasn't the challenge. And then there was no intimidation because I knew that I had a reason to be there. Right. You know, I had a amazing product that was a solution for people that wanted to buy an exotic car but didn't necessarily want to drop, you know, a quarter million dollars on it. Right. Or maybe had owned these cars before and learned what a challenge it was to upkeep them. So they would join my club and they would gain access to our club cars. Right. Was, so was this company already established before you joined? It was a startup. So it oh, was wow. a launch. And through this building, this mecca of a club in Houston, it opened up a lot of opportunities with up-and-coming brands, products. There is a lot of times when we wanted to do event collaborations. You know how challenging those are. People wanted to be in front of us. We made it so attractive by saying, hey, you want to be in front of our members. You want to be in front of our you know, prospects. You want to be in front of our network because we possessed such a highly qualified network. So brands wanted to get in front of us, and that prompted my next opportunity which then I would which, which would lead to my move to Miami oh so so this <clears throat> job opportunity is what actually took you or opened doors to your I guess I'm guessing you met yes. someone yes and they pitched you a better deal yes. off, wow yes so Do you still keep in touch with a lot of people like absolutely. did you build a nice network base from doing this exotic absolutely car? I'm actually doing an event with the car club on July 27th for National Scotch Day and it's hosted by McAllen. It's a private this, event. Oh, private event. Yeah. Okay. And it's called Scotch and Supercars. So wow. really excited to do that with That's them. That's great. I still nourish the relationship. So, um, but going back to almost ten years ago, I was approached by one of the vendors that we hosted an event with. Which and this was, is the one that took you to Miami. Mm -hmm. It was okay. a tequila company. This just recently founded. So a lot of entourage, you know, vibes. Uh -huh. I met the founders, I met the partners, the co-founder, and um, I was at a crossroads with the, the, the job at the car club because it was very demanding. I knew that I was, I had the stamina to, to take this club to the places where it needed to go, but I found myself working. Did, did like, you have, because I, I hear you saying it's very demanding. Yeah. Did you think you had the support from the people at the car dealership? Like as far as your role or were there things you wanted to do outside your role that you know you could pursue and take on so you didn't feel fulfilled there? I think that's exactly what it was. I 
was working seven days a week, 80 hours a week. And I really didn't have, wouldn't have any complaints because I worked this hard at my oil and gas company to get to where I, you know, over eight years, I ended up working as a financial analyst reporting to the person right below the CFO. So I went to a very high level in a very uh, short period of, well, in I wor- I climbed the corporate ladder because of my tenacity uh-huh. and my stamina and my dedication. So, so now I, you're talking about oil and gas. So this was before the car dealership? Yes. So, at so my, what age did you have any free time? Never. <laughs> my life has been devoted to to working. I actually am getting closer to finding that free time now right. when I've been working for a long time there's been a small window of gap while developing social behavior where i really yeah it looked like reset from my mindset following your social media uh social behavior what's the tagline for social behavior so people Just hashtag social behavior okay yeah. hashtag social behavior like i follow the actual page and yes and it looks like you guys are pretty happy doing what you're doing so you're finding fulfillment in this job Absolutely. well not this job this company that you right. started yourself right right <laughs> so let's go back so oil and gas and yeah. then you went on well, to car uh, club car yeah. club and, and you were tequila. talking about how one of the clients there or one of the sponsors that you collaborated with mm-hmm. at the car club mm-hmm. uh tequila brand yeah and they took you from that position Mm-hmm. because what they offered that was yeah, so they, appealing to they you. They found me at a vulnerable time because, like I said, I was working 80 hours a week. I felt like I had reached my threshold of of performance, and there wasn't, um, I don't want to say appreciation on the back end of that, but the role was no longer for fulfilling, and I think okay. that, that that's... That's a good way to put it. So at the time, I was vulnerable, and Riazul Tequila uh, approached me and said, how would you like to be our market manager for the Florida market? And I'd been looking for an opportunity to move to Miami. So So you didn't even start working the liquor brand here? You took it straight to Florida? I started working in a small capacity here. I did my training here. And um, they knew that I possessed sales uh, capabilities, and that was... That was kind of what drove them to make an and offer. And so this job offer, was it a very lucrative job offer for you? And I, I'm asking that because it takes uh, a high level of excitement for someone to pack up and move for a job. Yes. So um, being the market manager for a tequila brand means that I would have to plug myself into you know, all the opportunities, all the buyers, all the um, nightclubs. At the time, my lifestyle was a little bit differently, so I th- different. So I think that appealed to me, but the opportunity appealed to me too because I would be giving birth to this brand in the state of Florida, whereas you know, tequila was very unpopular at the time, and vodka and rum dominated the Florida market. So for me to kind of just even put a little dent on that oh, yeah. i wanted that so like with tequila i've only really known two companies that ran it now i don't, I don't know the main companies but the brands was patron and 1800 that's all right. i've known all my life right but so what and now uh, there's space for don julio taking oh over yeah don the, julio yeah. yeah they've been out for a mm-hmm. while so you left houston to go to florida for this lucrative uh position with this tequila brand 
Um, and you said back then tequila wasn't a big thing. It was vodka and what else? Rum. Rum. Okay, so what year was this? This was in 2011. 2011 mm-hmm. in Miami. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so now tell me more about the what you do in Miami with the tequila. And did you... Want to put out what brand it was? Or sure, is it it's Ria Azul Tequila. It's, um, you're going to see it more and more now. The brand was recently acquired by Terlato Wines, the people that uh, are responsible for Santa Margarita Pinot Grigio. Okay. So now they've got some strong backing dollars. That's The liquor market is all about a brand that starts from very little, and you have to gain the respect you have to gain your place on the bar shelves. Yeah, I can only imagine mm-hmm. you gaining shelf space or yes. any type of popularity being in Miami. Yes. Like I could see in some small state or city, but right. Miami, Vegas, Houston, those right. places are like mega cities. For I me. was like, walking into nightclubs, bringing in bottles to VIPs. I mean, I was doing everything it took, getting those good photo ops. Um, you know, when people turned me down, I was relentless. I was coming back telling them, you need me. You need my product. What's you know? some, what's some, okay, so some cl- clubs in Miami are pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Could you name some clubs that you were fortunate enough to get the product in from banging on their door, being relentless? Um, I don't think that those clubs are around. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, you know, it was the, yeah, the usual mansion, pretty... cameo, oh, okay. all of those mm-hmm, cool. set, but they're all something new now because yeah, if you're, you're not live or story, the, the yeah. club scene in Miami is just very volatile. So you're banging on the doors of Miami and you're getting this tequila known out there mm-hmm. in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, what's next? Yeah. Did so, you, were you able to get in stores as well out there? Mm-hmm. Oh, lots of liquor stores. I would do sales calls every day and, uh, then I got pulled to do some cool sales um, activations in New York City and Manhattan. And so you took it from Los Angeles, from one end of the country from Miami, to the yeah. other end? Yeah, to New York. Um, and this was all part of your marketing and you doing everything yourself? No, I was under the leadership of, oh, okay. of you know other marketing professionals and their team of leaders. And this was a g- massive group effort. And okay. You know, the, one of the challenging roles in working with liquor, too, was that I really had a great time doing it. But at the end of the day, you still had to do the work. You still had to do the follow-ups. You still had to do your sales reports. You still had to do, you know, your um, reporting. And so you still have to have a real job, even though you're, you're part of your job. Part of your doing... job involves a lot of drinking. Yeah. So that just became taxing on my body. And... I found myself like wanting to go to a library. Like I didn't want any friends to call me to go to a club. I was like, I live there. I want you to let's read a book. You know, so let's it sounds go for like coffee. You've always been in on the scene type of job so far with the exotic car club. Now you're doing the nightlife and alcohol promotions at yes. even at clubs, restaurants, right. bars, uh, stores. Mm-hmm. Liquor tasting. Liquor tasting. So what made you leave the did you still not feel fulfilled when you left? The car dealership, the exotic car club to this? Yeah, so I still was lacking that fulfillment. There was something nudging at me, like, nope, this isn't it. What made you think it was going to change with this uh, liquor company just because it was something new? It was a change of scenery, and I'd always wanted to live in Miami. Who does want to live in Miami? (laughs) Right? So so I, I kind of grew 
up there, spending a lot of summers there with my cousins. My family lives there. So I felt like this was a way to be close to to them and kind of like start start my life there. So that's really what I was hoping for. But in the role, even though I loved what I did and I still love and am close to the the business and the founders, yeah, it's I just, just your personal. felt like, hmm, yeah. this, this isn't it. So I was searching for something, right? And um, at the time, an unfortunate event happened and my mom was diagnosed with cancer. So I was faced with having to come back here or just kind of going on with my life and continuing to deliver. So I, I ended up doing this for a little bit over a year. Okay. How long were you doing the exotic car club? Uh, a little bit over a year. So you were there a little bit over mm -hmm. a year, and then this new position or opportunity came up for you to uh, sell the tequila, mm -hmm. and you were doing that for a little bit over a year. Yeah. So you spent a year in what in Miami? Yeah, um, a year and a few months in okay. Miami. And um, what's next after so, you say your mother was diagnosed twist with Twist and turns. I, I didn't want my mom to get very ill and I didn't know the stage of her you know illness I knew that she was going to be undergoing chemo and so I decided to come back home so you came straight back or are you going back and forth for a while when did you start the I was social going behavior back and forth. um I started social behavior four years ago oh it should be known this there's something that's very important that I haven't touched on but during my sales role with the car club and mm -hmm. during my tenure with the tequila brand doing all those activations, that was actually at the time that Facebook was just up and coming. Oh, wow. And so I actually used Facebook pictures and to, to post and create awareness for the brands and the things I was doing. So a lot of those sales and leads and referrals were all generated from so social you were, media. You would say you were one of the early innovators of Facebook. Not or taking yeah. advantage of the Correct. marketing part. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I totally leveraged all of my success with that. So I came back in a little bit of a twist and turn. I actually ended up coming back to the car club after tequila uh, Let's sales. Let's go back to Miami for a minute. Yeah. I remember talking to you. I don't know if you cared to share, but I think you were working on something in Miami well, as well. That happens after. Yeah. Oh, to where you lost it all, mm -hmm. betting all your marbles mm -hmm. or something? Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's keep going then. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a little bit crazy, but while I came back to Miami to take care of my mom, I mean, came back to Houston to take care of my mom, I started uh, planning out my next move. I knew it was going to be the path of entrepreneurship. I knew that's what I wanted, and I had to find my passion. So, you know, there wasn't... Tim Ferriss wasn't popular Real back quick. then. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interject again. So you're doing all this planning. You're trying to figure out your next moves and everything. Wow, you still have your mother on your mind and all this. How were you able to cope with everything or stay focused on your mission, your well, plan? I stayed with my mom. I took my brother to school every morning. I'm just, I've always been pushed to my limits. So I've got about like 18 good hours of full-blown activity wow. in me a day okay so I'm just able to juggle a lot <laughs> and when I went back to the car club so I, I come back to Houston I'm taking care of my mom I'm working at the car club and I'm kind of redesigning how I'm gonna go back to Miami and it sounds like you also put in there you taking care of your brother too because I heard you said you had to take him yes to so these so, are four different things you're doing mm -hmm. and you're plan rerouting back to Miami 
Yes, back and forth. Okay. So I had left my car there. I told my landlord, hey, I'm coming back. Just be flexible with me on the rent for a few months. And okay. I, had, I had all my stuff there. So right. I was planning on coming back. And, you know, I was trying to, to juggle both cities. So so one of the thing was certain. There wasn't a guidebook on how to find your path in life. But I knew that I wanted to to be an entrepreneur at that time. There never is a path for your life. <laughs> you right? have to figure it out yourself right? as you go. But that's the beauty about, I think, my story and how people come to find themselves. Because, you know, when I finish telling you how everything unfolded, you'll see. Okay. You'll see what we'll I mean. We'll pull all together. So all you're, uh, yeah. you're here with your mother, planning mm-hmm. your life, taking care of your mother, helping out with your brother. Back at work. And back at work mm-hmm. and doing the tequila. How did the companies feel about it? Were they sympathetic? So or tequila was no more. We, we parted ways. We parted ways okay. amicably, of course. Um, so at the time, I'm just mom working, and helping around the house. Good and thing you kept the relationship with the car, uh, exotic car group. Yes, huh? yes. Absolutely. Yeah, never burn your bridges. <laughs> you should never do that. Yeah. Never do that. Um, I think that's something that can be said about me and has been for a long time. Uh-huh. I don't have, um, I'm not at odds with people. You right. know, I don't burn bridges. And I'm, I think that that's a very valuable skill set. Right. So I know now, uh, I talked to you in the past, I forgot when. But we were talking about all the accomplishments and success you've had now. You don't like to post or talk about it. But remember, we were talking like you've been through a lot. Like you have to flourish with your blessings. Mm-hmm. You should be. It's okay to post yourself with something that you worked hard to achieve, like your company. Your uh, I think you just got a new new car. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful car. Thank you. And um, so go back to where everything you're doing all this with the club yeah. with the sorry with the car company your mother helping out with your brother right and planning your life reroute. right so the, this is where it kind of all you know catapults so uh i created this business venture called sobe fit foods and i called oh, in i called in it. some help yeah uh, I had lost a lot of significant amount of weight a long time ago, and it was because I changed my eating habits. So for good or for better? I mean, for worse. For good. Okay. Like, when yeah. see, some people lose weight, and you say you mm-hmm. change your eating habits, it could have been all the stress you were going through not eating right. Oh, but this yeah. is for the better. This is for the better. Okay. So I changed my my eating. Um, I made it. I changed my diet. And I started just a meal plan, you know, kind of like meal plans are so popular nowadays and, and, um, people are really onto them, but this was six years ago. So we were way ahead of the, yeah, you're of one the, of the early ones, way ahead of the curve. And that was a great mm-hmm. name too. So be fit food. Yes. Wasn't it a something for a while ago called a uh, South beach diet? Yes. Were you guys in time before that or after? no, no, we were way after South okay. beach diet has been around forever. But I enlisted the help of a nutritionist and I enlisted the help of a chef and we created an awesome menu and meal plan that counted um, all the nutritional data. We built three programs, weight loss, weight maintenance and performance. And so people were able to shop our website. So I developed our brand, our website and 
and at this time my my mom's fully healed she's in remission oh, and i great. decided and with all the money that i made uh in sales at the car club i decided to apply that to start my new uh, meal prep so business. be fit food so be fit food and this was your first introduction to entrepreneurship yes so it's funny how you just said there was no book on <clears throat> excuse me on life's path Mm-hmm. But this whole time talking to you so far, your whole life has been about being social and networking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're going to get into that later. I'm sure that's yeah. coming further down the line. So Soapy Fit Food. Yeah. South Be- that's still for South Beach Fit Food. I'm right. right. That was a nice play. Uh-huh. Uh, so this was when you're in Houston or did you already reroute back to Miami again? Started developing the business and getting everything ready before I moved back. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're, our apartment's still in Miami. Car's still in Miami. And your mm-hmm. life, I guess, is pretty much in Miami. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so and I'm just kind of here designing it out and the business plan. So collecting you made the, the money. The, mm-hmm. Oh, what? how'd you collect the money? I was just, did not do any capital raise. I was just in sales at the club, and I oh, saved Oh, on your personal bit. money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. no, uh, yeah. no donations or No, no sponsorships, no, no capital raise, okay. because I wanted to try it out. Right. I knew that. This was a gamble. I knew this was my first try. What made you so new to it. really take this head on so be fit food? Was it because your own eating habits had changed and your diet? Mm-hmm. I was so passionate about it. Like, I don't eat processed foods. I, you know, just eat whole foods, uh, lean proteins, and, you know, lately... I've been bad, but for the last few years, uh, and since I lost my my weight, that's those were rules that I lived by. So for me, it was it was really a passion meets ambition meets entrepreneurship play for me. Like wow. I'm gonna tie all these things in together. This has to work because it's my passion, you know. And and okay. I wasn't ready. So you you got this. You created the website, the marketing, and everything. Then when do we head back to Miami? Um, about five years ago. No, after oh. you created all the product and everything. It was it was about took me three months to develop the brand. I worked for three months, spent three months with my mom, so I was only gone from Miami for about um, I want to say three to six months, but I don't have the exact date right in front of me. So you were going mm-hmm. back and forth from Miami to Houston at this time mm-hmm. while you're creating yeah. the Sobe Fit yes. Food brand. Meeting with my chef, having calls, you know, trying to juggle it all. And finally, I came back to Miami permanently. Okay. And I said, let's do this. What made you feel comfortable to leave your mom again? And she go was back in remission. Okay, so, so everything was looking pretty good. Right. For her? She okay. had gone back to work. That's great. So you go back to Miami. Now you're there full time, and you're able to take the Sobe Fit Foods hands on. What's next? Have I told you that at the time, I met someone in Houston, and I got into a relationship with them right before I went back to Miami to do Sobe Fit Foods. He happened to live in Miami, so we were like, "That was perfect." We met in Houston. We both live in Miami. What a great story. I'm Is starting it, a company. So yeah. we're going to get into it later. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to know what happened. I don't want to spoil it before the story with the food and everything. So you, I would just like to just put a big warning label okay. on all relationships. <laughs> if you're starting a business, uh-huh. just don't start a new relationship either. 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to nurture two things yeah. at once. Yeah, I don't have to tell you so with this, about it. I just want to yeah, I get warning you. label I for get all you. entrepreneurs. Um, so you get to back, you meet this guy here in Houston, mm-hmm. and you're running, you're doing your startup food yeah. venture, So Be Fit Food. It. He's so happy for me. He's, He's happy like, for I you. I love it, yeah. And did, was he just visiting in Houston, or did he live in Houston too, he and was, was moving back? He was actually a um, brand ambassador, ambassador for a major liquor brand, and... He didn't try to uh, recruit you for his liquor? <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, okay. No, this was a he very unique... He recruited you for something else. <laughs> right, 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 right. So... So it was just kind of like, man, similarities, and we met in Houston, and he also lives in Miami, and I said, I live in Miami, and he's like, and I told him, I'm starting a business, and, you know, we thought that, oh, man, this is just great, but when you're starting a business of the magnitude that that I was taking on, that, that relationship had no chance. No chance. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you're taking all the blame. Was it? Just you because your business thing? Um, I think it was just terrible timing. We're okay. still friends. Oh, that's yeah, great. That's we're great. still friends. Okay, so yeah. it didn't end badly. Like, uh, you know, it's been a few years. Well, you must just have a big heart then. <laughs> I think we both do. I think okay. we're, both, we're both friends. We both have um, huge respect but for, for one another. But I think that ultimately you have to choose one or the other when relationships right. take effort relationships take yeah. a lot of your time and commitment and we both wanted it but i also wanted and needed i needed entrepreneurship to work yeah, for every, me that everyone was my needs only, their purpose my only shot yeah yeah so you go back to miami you mm-hmm. have your Fit Foods, uh, mm-hmm. Selby Fit Foods. Did he move back as well? Were you guys doing the whole thing there as well? Oh, he he was permanently there. He was okay. just visiting Houston. So yeah, so he was there. there. Mm-hmm. Okay. He and became a what's customer. next for your Selby Fit Foods when you go back to take it on full steam ahead? So a lot of challenges in just starting a business. If, if you don't have a business plan um, right off the bat, you know, I feel like you're not true entrepreneur a lot of people are walking around with ideas and i had ideas and i had menus written out and i had processes and notes and but we didn't have an exit strategy we didn't have a lot of the foundation of a business plan that that it should have and so um so you were just had ideas with the passion for fit had ideas with the passion with uh uh, obviously a registered business we had partnership documents in place for me and my partners were you um, able to actually you had an actual business location like brick and we, mortar store we had rented a commercial kitchen okay that was one of the things that led to our uh complete you know i i don't want to use the word failure but i do embrace failure uh, i think overall the business was a success but I failed. Okay, you said you uh, the commercial kitchen is one of the things that added on to the unquote, quote unquote yeah. failure. Why is the why did you think the so, kitchen was? Because uh, we were subletting a subleasing a kitchen from a hotel that only did continental breakfast. Okay, and it was this hotel. Uh, just it was health safe and inspect. You know, had all the right all the inspections and everything necessary to operate out of here. But the hotel sold 
about five months going into our wow. our production. I mean, how long was your rental agreement for with them? Um, the rental agreement wasn't valid after the, the hotel was was acquired, wow. so it didn't matter at the right. time. So and what happened next? Well. You know, we're just hitting the ground running. We're working a lot. I'm, I'm now again 80, 80 hour weeks in, but it's me. Like right. it's for me. All. So the, your staff was it pretty much just you and your it was uh, me, chef or me and an assistant and the nutritionist who kind of just oversaw the kitchen. But we got a little bit too busy for him, so he decided about three months in that he didn't anticipate it being this much work and he wanted to wow. cancel the the partnership agreement was this before the kitchen problem or after? yeah this was before the kitchen problem so, so it's, it was a left. chain of problems yeah. that happened everything that can when you're setting up a business this is why a plan is so important right. because everything that can go wrong will you right. have to be equipped for that even if it doesn't happen uh -huh. you just have to be equipped for the worst and i wasn't i just wasn't equipped i didn't have all my ducks in a row so after your chef left were you still trying i mean your nutritionist that didn't think it was going to be too much work that's kind of crappy way to back out of something so he said it was too much work for him he didn't know it was going to be this intense was it because you were getting a lot of orders i'm yes. guessing yes yes so we were so was he wasn't prepared for success for you he wasn't you know he was in a different stage in life i guess when he committed to it sounded like a good idea at the time but he was getting he had just proposed and they wanted to have a child and he played with the stock market during the day so mm. he didn't actually have to work i right. guess if you will and all of a sudden he's manning a kitchen team of seven people and it wow. just got to be too much so right. he left me to do that, so but I was. So your nutritionist to... left. You were still dead on making this work. I was. I was. I bet on it. You okay. know. Okay. So what'd mm -hmm. you do after the nutritionist left? You're three months in, so you have two more months before the kitchen problem comes. Right, and and at this point, we're doing tastings, breakfast tastings at Equinox, at David Barton Gym, at. So you Lifetime. were able to get in Equinox. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Was that just something, your own connections oh, and you're banging oh, on the I door? Oh, I called in all the favors. Wow. I banged on doors. And, and you know what? Um, the sales strategy that I learned at the club and that I learned with the tequila, it helped me, you know, open up doors and feel comfortable in the Miami space. Right. Um, so when your nutritionist left, how'd you replace him? Now the business is great. Mm -hmm. He didn't expect it to be too much work. You got sh uh, tastings and things like this at some of the most popular gyms and most right. expensive gyms. Right, right. So how'd so you replace great. him and keep business going? Right. So the order still needed to be filled, um, you know, but we weren't set up to handle uh, unfortunate events like him bailing and handle delivery drivers calling in sick and uh, things that just came up, you know, kitchen staff calling in sick. So all of a sudden, my time and availability to be a face of my business diminished because I was now in the kitchen working till 3 a.m., getting food mm. prep, putting labels on things, going to uh, put all the packaging together, going to the grocery store now, buying all the food. And it wasn't the grocery store. We were going to big restaurant warehouses, right. you know, and I'm 
that's one of the main mm-hmm. problems I think a lot of people have today. They don't know that a lot of your business comes from networking and being out there, being the face, yeah, having it. a presence. Yeah. Yes. And and I just now coming out from from being working behind the scenes with social behavior because even though social behavior is four years old, I haven't been as present as I'd like. I actually just grew my business now from all of my network. Wow. But we can get to that. Yeah, we'll get a that. We'll get to that social so, behavior. So hmm. you're you you've missed out on all this presence because now you're in the kitchen. You're working what six eighty hours, I'm sorry. Eighty death. hours a week. There was times when I got newspaper and I just got on the fetal position in that kitchen because I had to be up in two hours or one hour to so go wait, deliver wait food. a minute it's crazy so you would sleep in the kitchen sometimes, just because you had to get up and work in two hours sometimes later. it was in hollywood florida and my house was in the river district so near the marlins ballpark so to make that you know hour and a half commute it was just easier to just throw so some newspaper down in that kitchen all just, the way in banking everything on this yes. so be fit foods yes so you're now trying to do everything. Now you're more behind the scenes working. And then mm-hmm. when did you get the news about the sale of the hotel? Uh, right around that time, the, the owner of the hotel said, hey, I have some bad news, but you're going to have to find a new kitchen. And did they give you a heads up, like 30 days, 60 yeah, days? Yeah, it was like two weeks. Oh, two weeks, 14 <laughs> so, days. Yeah. And you have production, you have uh, orders you yeah. have to fulfill, I'm guessing. Yeah. So what did you do? How did you make it work? Unfortunately, I had to cancel some some orders in order to figure out like I had to close sales and say hey you're not gonna get your food this week or maybe for the next two weeks because we're in a transition period and these people depended on us the the consumers that had been buying into our product were extremely satisfied with the meals and the food and they had been subscribed with me since the beginning I was only getting new and new leads and subscribers and so I had to kind of turn it off for a minute and figure out, you know, my next move. Right. Okay. Wow. So all this, this is crazy. Two weeks in advance, you have this problem to where you have to call and let some of your customers know you can't fulfill their orders. Yeah. With just a two-week window. Mm-hmm. So how did you pick up after that, after you had to realize you had to leave the kitchen after two weeks? What What's next? Did you find another kitchen? Um... Well, I was... Wait, wait, I'm sorry. This is blowing my mind out. How are you... So you still had to make a living, <laughs> and you had the kitchen, you had your, your nutritionist lead. Mm-hmm. How are you taking care of yourself? I'm not. I was completely deprived of any personal time. Uh, the relationship was obviously taking a toll because I wasn't You couldn't present, be present, yeah. Right? And, uh, for me, you know, this was all, I had all my eggs in this basket. So how, how were you emotionally? Were you stable emotionally? Very distressed, very depressed, very almost to the point where this was the worst period of my life. I don't know why I committed to this. I was even suicidal at a couple of times because I wanted it to work so bad that that overtook me and and I didn't have any type of control or emotional stability over the situation 
I just knew that I needed to make ends meet. My... And all your marbles were in this, so you couldn't fail. Right. Everything. And, you know, at this point, my car payment had uh, fallen behind. Uh, the business was sustainable on its own, but I was relying on that income. And once we had burnt through our startup money, I was relying on some of that income to help, you know, pay my rent. And at this point, I'm barely making that meet. So you're behind on your car payments. Mm-hmm. You're, you couldn't pay your rent because you were de- relying on this, this uh, business to, mm-hmm. you know, fulfill yeah. you financially as well. But you're sinking money constantly back into the business. So all of it. Mm-hmm. What'd you wind up? What was the solution? Um, well, at this time I was casted for Shark Tank with okay. the business, so that was a really cool opportunity. And then. Um, you know, I didn't have all my ducks in a row. They have a very lengthy application that I had to go through, and you have to submit the video to them, the promotional right. video that you have to do. So I started working on creating this, and um, that started to take up even more of my time. I wanted to make Shark Tank work because I thought, you know what, this is my... Yeah, promotion. This is my saving grace, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so... I thought if I get this Shark Tank deal, then then that's it. I don't have to worry about things anymore. And um, I told my boyfriend at the time that I didn't foresee me staying in Miami very long if things kept going in the direction. And so you didn't so. get the Shark Tank. Everything's taking a turn for the wor- worse. You're having bad news after bad news. Mm-hmm. It's the nutritionist leaves. Mm-hmm. Too much work for him because you were on the verge of being very successful. Uh, the hotel sales and they didn't either or the contract wasn't contingent on the sale. So you had to find a new kitchen mm-hmm. to fulfill these orders. You mm-hmm. had to cancel orders two weeks in, a, in advance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You didn't land the Shark Tank deal because the Shark Tank deal. And that's the time in. to do the video, to do the this. Yeah. To do, mm-hmm. And now you're just all in. You can't pay your rent, your car. Mm-hmm. Did you lose your car? Did you get evicted? So, or did you? Um, Yes. So I I remember I called my boyfriend and I didn't want any help from him, you know, but right. I just said, listen, this is the situation with everything going on. I think I'm just going to, um, I'm about to lose it all, you know, and, and I can't make this work. And he comes from wealth. So he was just like, Oh, we just throw money at the problem. And for me, my, the problem was so much bigger than that. It wasn't. Yeah, the system was messed up. It, it, was, it like. was my system. It was the fact that this, this, the way that I envisioned it wasn't the way that it played out. And I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a plan B. So. Now, looking back, if you kept the same nutritionist and the hotel didn't sell, do you think you had a fighting chance at yeah. this business? Oh, oh okay. absolutely. I think that. Those cards stacked up against me, and they were more than I could Yeah, once you get put in the hole, it's hard to fight back out of it. Right. And so I think on my darkest day, you know, uh, I didn't have any luxuries. I didn't have any shopping habits. I didn't have – there was not anything coming in to me personally. Everything was being put, you know, back into the business. I didn't have the luxury of even – getting my nails done like I did right. today. Like I can appreciate those things so much more, right? And so on a very dark day where depression had just overcome me, I get a call. Well, I already can't pay my rent. It's right. already the 
fifth of the month, and my roommate—I had a roommate at the time—okay, who I was renting a, a room from said, "You gotta go." So today's your day. Like, you gotta go. So I'm like, "This is it. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my stuff." I called up a friend, and I was like, "Look, this is the situation I'm in. Blah blah blah." And I'm just crying my eyes out. I'm even too embarrassed to tell my boyfriend that this was happening right i'm too ashamed i i can't believe that i got from such a high place to now this yeah but all just, that ambition energy mm-hmm, anticipation mm-hmm. of the success and right everything I couldn't comes believe it. i couldn't believe it and right when i thought it couldn't get any worse i get a call while i'm getting evicted that my car is literally getting repossessed wow i look out the window and they said, we've called, we've, you know, tried getting a hold of you and resolving payment and you just won't answer the phone. So we're about to lock your car in unless you come down with payment. Right. And I was just like, nothing I could do. I ain't got nothing. And I'm like, I've literally, how do you watch your car get taken away and get kicked out of your house and just so what's the next step for I, this sounds Ooh. like i would have i don't know if it's me personally but i'm sure a lot of other people out there would have just went to depression mode mm-hmm. and locked themselves in the room mm-hmm. how'd you cope with all this uh did where, where were you gonna stay what was the plan i didn't have i didn't have a plan you know obviously um the boyfriend was an option like, well, you can stay here. It's no big deal, but I'm not very good right now. Like this is not the version of me that I want you to be with. Right. So at that point, I also chose to terminate the relationship because I was like, I have nothing to offer. That's like, hard. I can't even be with anyone. And so, yeah, having to cut that tie and that was, I think ultimately all of that coming together was just broke me and i went to my um cousin's house and i stayed with her she had a she had a uh a home that she had just moved out of and she was like look it's unoccupied you can stay there for a little while so how long were you staying there before you decided to come back to houston until probably about a month okay um i called you're down, uh, I don't want to say it, but it sounds like rock bottom. Rock and bottom. you're living in your cousin's home for a month because she recently found a new place to stay. Could not even take my own bed from my house. So, like, I had to buy an inflatable mattress with okay. the very little money that I had. To... So you were there for a month in this, I'm, I'm guessing, abandoned home with nothing in it but right. your air mattress. And some, some other stuff. Some and other things, okay. Some kitchen things. And, and there after was... a month... You moved back to Houston. My best friend from Houston at the time came to meet me and um, she saw the the conditions that I was living in and she was like, this isn't you. You were made for so much more. Is this still your best friend then? Yes. Really good. Sounds like she really came. She was that nudge you needed like, hey, what are you doing? Just come back. Give it up, girl. Yes. Yes. Okay. Get out. Um... And so that's what we did. You know, she helped me pack up my stuff and I kissed it goodbye. How'd you I, get back to Houston? Did you I fly? Had, um, so funny story. I had about $75 left in my bank account. Oh, and, 75 uh, bucks. Yeah, that, that was all I had. And I took a bus 
one-way bus trip. She flew because she had a round trip thing paid oh, for. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, I, I needed that. I had a duffel bag full of just my most precious belongings at the time. I put all my stuff on a storage unit with one of those like first months free public storage type deals. And, uh, you know, at the time, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm going to bounce back from this. I didn't have any type of encouragement yeah. or motivation. It's so I was hard down. when you're down in those spots. Mm-hmm. It's just when you get fed up of being down enough is when you actually get up and do something. Right. Some people don't make it out. Right. They're just depressed and just think life's miserable. Right. Yeah. I can't believe that. So how'd you come to make it out? So I'm guessing as soon as you came back, you were still down depressed mode for a while, probably staying in your room or not being social. I actually had never even lived with my mom. I moved out when I was 18 because I had that corporate job, right? right? So I've been pretty independent since, since I was 18 Since high school, graduation, old. I right. guess. Yeah. Right. So I'd never even lived with my mom. And I knocked on her door. I called one of my family members to pick me up at the bus station. It was late at night. I knocked on the door and I said, Mom, can I sleep here? And I remember... You know, I'd already told her that I was coming home and whatnot. And right. I remember dragging a mattress in from her garage. Like, it was dusty. And I was just not even... I didn't even care about that. I was just lucky to finally find some peace and comfort and quiet in what had felt like a war. It felt literally like I'd fought a war. I felt depleted. I didn't have an ounce of anything left in me. And I just tucked my uh, sheet over that mattress. And I laid there for like three days straight. Wow. Just processing everything. So this story is very interesting. And I'm looking at our time now. I know we're going to go over an hour. So bear with us, people. Because we're going to get to the big turnaround. I'm hoping if there is one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're back home with your mother. Super stressed, depressed. And you're just finally happy. You, it's all over, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. So you're happy. Relief. So, relief, yeah. It's the next stage. So you get to the mattress and you take it into a room, an empty bedroom your mother has? Study room. A study mm -hmm. room. She lets you take an old mattress mm -hmm. out the garage. So how do you overcome this depression or how long are you in this funk and mm -hmm. what's next? Did you get a job? Uh, so yeah, I knew that um, at the car club where I worked okay. at before, I knew that they they had a check balance for me and i was like "Ooh, they owe me a few hundred dollars i'm gonna call uh, them up i guess this is from residual clients this is, this is from thing? just a, a referral deal yeah that okay. i just just a deal that i did with them while i was gone so i was like hey i know i've got a check waiting for me there so i went if you there you don't mind asking because mm -hmm. i remember you said you spent your last 75 bucks was all you had in your bank mm -hmm. account how much was this one check that helped see you see a bright side was it even enough to see a bright side? You're like, was, okay, I can get dinner a couple of days. It was $350. Okay, so a, still not. It wasn't a lot. I, I don't even remember what it was for. I think it was like a reimbursement or just a a, a referral or, or something that just hadn't, that had been owed to me. Right. So, so it was worth getting out of bed for, for me at yeah, that I time. Bet. Yeah. What'd you do after you got that check? Did you go just enjoy the day or try to find some happiness about life? No, I, all I wanted to do was, like, pay my cell phone bill. and <laughs> Just your yeah. I would have went and probably blew a hundred of that. Like, I'm going to get me a steak dinner, some dessert, mm -hmm. 
No, F everything I'm very else. I've been, but yeah. you've been down so bad. You deserve something. No pedicure, manicure, nothing. 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 Um, I think I think that my people around me that knew the circumstance, like my mom, she wanted to be extra accommodating. Like, hey, what's going okay. on? You know, people around me were trying to take care of me. But when I went to pick up that check, they were like, "What are you doing in Houston?" And I said, "Man." You don't want to know what I've been through. <laughs> I I don't even know what I'm doing in Houston. I'm just I'm just trying to stay alive today. And they were like, "But we need your help." I was like, "Again? Wow. This is great." <laughs> yeah. Wait, how, what so, was your emotion like when they told you they needed your help? I wasn't ready to go back to work cuz I just killed my entrepreneurial dream. Like mm-hmm. now I saw that as damn, now I got to get back to yeah, work when you go back from being an entrepreneur to right. a job I've, so, I've been there it's crushing on your spirit still yeah. feels like your life is overworking yeah and, and i own. you know i was all i was this close to turning it down when they told me how much it would pay i just said when do you need me to start and they said tonight wow so i took a whole whopping wait who is this this is the car club. The car club. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you said people were asking you, what are you doing in Houston? Yeah. Okay. So this was the car club people asking yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. When I went to pick up the check. Right. From them. Mm-hmm. So they said, what are you doing? And they said, we need you. And and when they told me how much the pay was, I was only down, down and out for three days in Houston. And I just got right back up to work. And I did it again. And I just hustled, hustled, hustled. It's a good thing you didn't leave that job for the new tequila job in bad taste. And also, you were still assisting them while you were in Miami. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's all about relationships. All about relationships. All day long. And so, I um, went back to work for the club. And then, I was just planning my next big thing. And, and I don't Did know. Did anyone know? Did you know what your next big thing was going to be? No, I didn't know for a few months. For a few okay. months, I just went back to work because I needed to recover funds. What year is this? This, this like was 2013. 13, okay. Late 2013 is when I came back from Miami and I started kind of playing things out. And okay. just started earning money. I needed to pay bad debts. I needed to right. pay creditors. I needed to pay I can only imagine your credit a bunch this of time. shit. Yes, so I had to pay for... For a lot, and wow. so I just wanted to recover funds and and plan plan out what my next move was. And when you were planning mm-hmm. out your next move, were you excited or even considering entrepreneurship again after it kicked your butt the first time so hard? Yeah, because I learned what worked against me in my first venture, and that was a partner. Okay. I have the capacity to do this alone and to launch a business on my own. So I just had to find what was that? What's the business that I can do alone? Because I just know at this point, people can't rely on. It's just going to be me. And I started to just kind of build, like rebuild my coat of armor, you know. Just, yeah, yourself up. Just rebuild myself up and and started to nourish me and, and re-nourish my spirit that's when I started reading a lot. That's when I reading started helps. doing, you know, self-help books and and uh, determining my skills. I actually still have this little worksheet that I found 
from four years ago, from before I started social behavior, where I outlined what my strengths were, what my passions were, and what I could see myself doing for the rest of my life, because that would all lead me to social behavior. Okay. So you're working at the car dealership for how long before you're able to feel comfortable stepping into a new venture? It was about... I'm so, sorry, it's not a car dealership. Yeah, Exotic Car Club. I was just Club. about to correct you, yeah. yeah. So it was about six um, months that I six worked months. there. Mm-hmm. It took me about six months. And we had a marketing agency come in and pitch the club uh, a proposal to do their social media and to do their marketing for So them. some marketing come. this is getting even crazier. So you have social behavior now, which is basically a marketing company and yeah, social marketing company. Yeah. So some social marketing company came to the Exotic Car Club to yeah. pitch the company their yeah. business. Yeah. And, and they were, did you the, tell the, the owner, hey, I could do this for us. We that's don't need exactly that. what I did. And the proposal. How did you know you could do this, though? Because that's how I built my whole career the, on social, on so, sharing my story, on, okay. on creating sales opportunities, on telling people about the events I was hosting. Right. That's how I got people to come. I sold memberships over Facebook. Like where people were just like, oh my God, yeah, I need to sign up. Here you go. Here's your application. I was sending them over. There was wow. So so I used that. So I said, that you know, why are you even gonna consider this proposal? They bid ten thousand dollars a month, and I said, if that's how much they want to get, but I can I can render this service. I can do it. And now, in fact, when you pitched this to them, did you render it? Hey, let me be your in-house social marketing, or did you say, hey, I could do this, pay me, and I'll have this outside of the company? I said, just add it on to my roles and responsibilities, and let's renegotiate a salary, and I'll make sure that all of this gets taken care of for half the price. Okay. Now, when you uh, when you told him this, whoever the owner of the exotic car club is and he agreed to it later down the line when you realized how good you to it oh he didn't oh wow he turned me down he said that uh he wasn't 100 percent sure that i was permanent in houston because of all my backs and forths wow so you're saying this and i take it from what i know you're the type of person when someone tells you you can't do something that just lights Fuel I just to, took that fuel little to the proposal, fire. and I was like, give me that. I'm going to just see what I can do because... So you did it for free now because he didn't accept your offer just to prove yourself. No, 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 no. I took the proposal, and I just started studying how oh. they were... How are they selling? I was just interested. Right. Like, in, in what they were offering, and I just kind of studied it, and they weren't a social media agency. They were a marketing agency for country clubs but i felt like in their proposal there were things that had been laid out that would be ineffective just based on my experience and experience knowledge. and history in this especially club a department. country club coming to right. exotic car club right so so i just knew i was like i have a different uh perspective because i've been in it and i know what works but now you want to turn me away. So I just kind of started to kind of dissect it and just. So you're working at the exotic car club and mm-hmm. they bring an offer to your, the owner of the club about managing social and marketing period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you told him, Hey, I could do this. Let's renegotiate the salary. He didn't feel confident enough in you because of mm-hmm. your stability. Mm-hmm. 
and you take this thing home, you start researching social media and marketing. Agencies and social media agencies, okay. yeah. And what's next? Did you decide you're going to step out and leave the company again? I did. I actually, um, at this point, just started doing further research and kind of laying out my packages and offerings and figuring out who I would pitch and who I would reach. And I started to talk about it and I started to network on my own for it and tell people that I was starting a social media agency just to test the waters, see just, what's just out there. to see yeah. what people's reaction were. Because at the time there was no social media agencies in Houston. We were one of the first to even come to market. And, um, I started telling people about it. They're like, you're crazy. Nobody's going to pay to manage Facebook, right. to manage a Facebook page. Facebook ads weren't even a thing yet. Yeah, so, everything was Google pay-per-click. Yes, everything was SEO and pay-per-click. Yeah. SEO was just coming, you know, to, to the front and center of the digital marketing world. And so when I told people I was going to manage their Facebook page, they were just like, no, ma'am, that is crazy. But I knew that in this space, I would use my core strength, which was social media. I would start a business with no capital. And then I would also do it alone. So, so you're doing this, you're just getting feedback, seeing if people are interested in this. You're still working at the Exotic mm -hmm, Car Club, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what made you go all in for it? Um, when the time felt right, I decided to... So you already to, had customers while you were working at the car club? I had started to build the business. No, I didn't have customers. I built the name, the logo, the website, okay. the... Everything I was working at the car club and then working, you know, long nights, just burning the midnight oil, putting it together. And then when I felt like it was the right time to completely disconnect and I had sold enough memberships and collected enough money to pay my debt and to start this business and live kind of free for a while without any type of headaches and stress and I asked my mom hey can I stay a little bit longer I literally started this business out of my mom's house okay mm -hmm. so when did you decide to quit the job the exotic car club and take the social behavior on full steam about three months into social behavior planning so was that you knew you had something yeah yeah and keep in mind people this is her fourth year four year anniversary a couple of days weeks ago yeah, we celebrated four years at the end of June. Okay, but you knew back then, four years ago, that this was it. Yeah. You found something. Yeah. Do you think it was uh, because it was your own thing or more so your fulfillment, like you knew this was something that you could do and you were more passionate about it? And also, it's not that much capital needed for a social marketing company, is it? It was everything that worked against me in Sobe Fit Foods, which was the capital, the partnership applied here so i was like i already know that i'm not gonna run a kitchen factory i'm not gonna have to support those very high operating uh costs and i'm gonna just go at this and i'm gonna start very small and and figure it out along the way but i needed to line up the support of my family and friends and let them know i am embarking on this again but i'm gonna need you guys to like really support me and i think coming and building a fellowship here in houston with the people that had supported me over the years like why would i leave them 
and go to Miami again. Yeah. Where I had, so you didn't think really that was have. your first mistake? Yeah, I didn't. This was where the core of my network was. Right. So when I started again <clears throat> using social media and announcing to people what I was doing and working on, that's when the magic happened because people now felt a close, a closer connection to me because they were like, she's back. And mm-hmm. she's here, and she's local. And how were how was your energy feeling at this moment? Now that you're out of the slump phase, you know, I think for the longest time, I'm I've been a seeker of of extreme and opportunities and rare opportunities. Now all I'm looking for is just normalcy, and and I didn't. Have, my feeling was that I was just complacent. I was just happy. I was happy to just be doing something normal. I didn't have to run away to Miami. I didn't have to run away to New York. I didn't right. have to travel. I was just happy being here. Okay. So when did you know that this social media thing would really work and you can sustain this over the next four years? I didn't know until year two. Year I think two. year one, we barely broke like 30K in sales. Year two, we barely broke 50K in sales. But I wasn't rushed. I wasn't... Um, now, when you broke 30K in sales, is that counting your uh, your income as well? Because I'm sure you had I to didn't make pay money. myself until going into this fourth <laughs> year in business. Oh, so you're just now paying yourself yeah. now. Yeah. I, oh. I obviously have been afforded different, you know, a whole new set of luxuries. We, we are hoping to... Um, we just well, we just brought on our tenth team member, so I okay. have a. So you have a ten men, a ten men and women staff. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. What year was it that you've got an investor? So, going into our fourth year. Oh, so he be- just came on. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. So because we were operating um, at, we were operating at, uh, at my fullest capacity. I couldn't do anything more on my own. And so I had a client friend of mine call me and said, hey, I have three new accounts for you to take on. And I said, well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to turn them down because I just don't have time. Right. And I didn't want to. I knew that I wanted to grow so, social behavior into a bigger thing. So I was actually waiting on a bank loan earlier this year. I'd been polishing my credit. It seems like it would have been hard to get in after your background. No, I had actually been working on cleaning up my credit okay. over the last few years. So, uh, yeah, from a repossession and all of that, it was a mess. Yeah, so I've been working very, very hard on getting my credit to look polished, doing bank apps. And I'd finally gotten that final seal of approval that it was almost like just come in, sign the paperwork. And here we're going to turn over to you, you know, the, all the working capital that you need. Because so what happened? So he called me and he said, I need you to take on these three, three new clients. And I said, well, I'm, I can't do that right now because I'm waiting on a bank loan. Uh-huh. And that's what I need to actually get the capital in-house to get more labor to meet the demands of my business. Because right now we're on a one-month delay with just proposals. Like We are so backed up. We get inquiries every single day of people that need our services. We right. are extremely busy. And so he was like, that's the best problem in the world to have. And I want to meet with you right now. Wow. And I said, well, I'm kind of in the middle of something. He's like, then tomorrow. Okay. And I did it. I, I took, um, blocked out my schedule and I went and met with him. And he was like, I think you're in a great position to take someone on like me. And at the time he had tried to invest in a social media 
type business that didn't play out too well. And he just loves the concept. And he was a cl former client of mine many, many years ago. So in the and which business? He is a... Um, no, in which business was he oh, a client Oh, in social behavior oh, and in, at the club. He was one of my members. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so he actually... So did you still wind up taking the loan from the bank? Or you didn't no, turn, I didn't, didn't because even... we just went into... We almost immediately went into legal uh, draft writing of an agreement that would allow him to put working capital into my business so that I didn't have to take out a bank loan and that uh, we're sustainable and we pay him back uh, on a monthly uh, basis. We pay him back for the money that's invested so is business. he an investor in the business too, or just was it a loan? No, 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 no. He is acts as a partner. He's okay. been granted equity. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. A small percentage of good. equity, but he just acts also as a mentor. You know, and there's some he has very successful. What made you trust him? He's a serial entrepreneur, and he revenues about fifteen million a year. Okay. So he has my confidence. He owns and invests in several wow. businesses. And I thought, you know what? I feel safe. I feel like th this is a yeah, safe partnership. Yeah, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs, not all of them, but like with yours, you're passionate about. You seem like you just want to put your head down and work, but you know you're working towards something that's yours. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs. They just want to focus on the work versus focus on the whole entire business as well. That can be pretty complicated. That's the stage that I was at when I met with him. I, you know, he's like, show me where you're at. Like, what did your day look like? And I showed him and I was still doing a lot of the tedious tasks. Day-to-day -day tasks. That can that be were daunting. Yes. And so yeah. he was like, I don't need you doing that. I need you out being present. And that's how, you know, that's why you've seen me being more and more active and building very strong partnerships with people in Houston as of the last few months leading up to our four-year anniversary because I now have the opportunity to do that. Do you think this is the end for your entrepreneur? Are you just going to stay with social behavior? or We don't know. We um, My long-term goal with social behavior is to see it play out until I can no longer, no longer serve right. its purpose. Well, you it's know. going in the right direction. Yeah, we definitely are. Now, looking back, do you think everything was worth it? I think everything happened the exact way it was supposed to happen. Right. I just had to trust the process. Isn't it crazy how you can be in one space in life and other things that you learn while going through life leave your mind to something else? Like, I bet when you were working at the exotic car dealership, you never thought Parkour. you would have a... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I keep calling it dealership. Yeah, My yeah. apologies. Mm -hmm. The Exotic Car Club. And it's more so of a lifestyle club, too, isn't it? Right. That's exactly what okay. it is. Yeah. So did you... Now, when you were first doing that right after you left the oil field as... What position did you have in the oil field? Uh, account. Was it accounting? I left as... An, I had an accounting clerk and then a financial analyst, okay. auditor. Mm -hmm. So you went from there to the car club, to tequila brand, to your Sobe Fit Foods, and now you're here at Social Behavior... Mm -hmm. with your own social marketing firm. Did mm -hmm. you see any of this or did you even have any interest in social having a marketing company? I think my purpose has always been to do great, to build a platform, to spread greatness, to spread love, to spread awareness, to spread empowerment. And I think that this is my vessel. 
this is how I do it. And it gives me a platform to reach people and spread that. So I feel like, yeah, this is exactly how it, it should have played out and right. what I'm supposed to be doing. That's crazy. And you also mentioned, I remember you said uh, you didn't, you were always trying to find your path. Like you didn't know what your path was and your life just leads you to your own path. Yes. And even now, for example, I'll be working on something and I'm like, I, I come to a crossroads and I get stuck and I'll have a flashback to something that I did exactly five years ago that applied to this very moment. Like you kind of have those, those light bulbs that go off and it's like almost like the universe telling you, this is why you did this. This is why this wow. happened to you because it answers the problems that I have today. Now my, uh, my blog and the podcast is called conversations with the lifer and the blog brand is called professional lifer. What do you think professional lifer means to you? I think professional lifer means finding that ultimate balance between doing what you love and your passion and having the freedom to do what you want to do with your life. So I really love your way of living out your life as a professional lifer. Uh -huh. I feel like my way is a little bit different because I have team obligations and I have to lead a team, but I try and live life every single day or every chance I get. I think living life is necessary to recharge and right. regain, you know, the, the power that you need to. But if you look at your journey too, like you found a way to make your life work for you, like all the bad, the good, you mm -hmm. took it and you turned it into this beautiful baby you have now, which is social behavior. Mm -hmm. So you are a professional lifer. <laughs> finally. Yes. Oh, finally. And, uh, it's been a so long journey. Finish this sentence and say the sentence before you fill in the blank. Okay. Life to me is. Life to me is finding the ultimate fulfillment.